0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hello, hello, hello. This is Ruthie Bowles, the host of the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm also the founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. And today, Mike Abend, the CEO of Bookshelf, is back with me today. So Mike, thank you so much for coming back. Excited. And so last week, we talked about Mike's entrepreneur journey and how he went from being an attorney to co-founding Bookshelf, to migrating over into the media and tech space and co-founding Bookshelf with his partners to address problems that they saw in our media ecosystem. And so that is actually what we're going to dive into today. If you'd like to know more about Mike's entrepreneur journey, do check out the previous episode. But today we are spending time on exploring this problem because Bookshelf is, you know, Tackling it, absolutely. But it's you know we're at the very beginning stages of really understanding what it is that Mike and his partners saw that kind of lit the fire to for them to to create and launch Bookshelf. So, Mike, what is it? What is this big problem that you see with how we we access content now or consume content now?
1: All right. So we'll start with an old saying that the medium is the message, and what we have seen is that with the evolution of media and evolution of technology, people are increasingly relying on Social media platforms to get their content and get their information. And each of these platforms tends to rely on algorithmic curation that's focusing on session time or engagement, which results in an experience that is, you know, headlines, dunking on people, personal promotion, political toxicity, provoking a reaction, getting that blood pressure up, which is bad if that's the only thing that you're relying on to get your information. And we're overwhelmed by the amount of information that's available, ultimately what you're seeing is a very small universe of the content out there. We should all have a much healthier, more exploratory content diet to become the best versions of ourselves that we can be. And to us, the solution is curation and that the content that you're consuming should be recommended by people that you know, that you trust, that have taste, expertise, professional qualifications. If you can build an ecosystem, around this and get these people to join and build this community, then you have a really powerful product for people to learn and to get content that they wouldn't see elsewhere and to have a much healthier content diet. And so we built Bookshelf purely around the concept of curation. People basically curate shelves on different topics and your bookshelf is made up of the shelves that you are curating and the shelves that you're following. And a shelf can be on any topic, it can be on something broad, on something niche, on something well known, on something that only you are really passionate about. And it's been really fascinating to see what people are curating on and the types of shelves that they're creating. And so that was our basic thesis and we launched we actually launched March 4th, 2020. And we all know that the world changed pretty significantly after that. But wow. we saw the platform resonate and like people were really excited about it because it was an alternative and they were like, finally, someone's doing something that's different. And by relying on curation instead of algorithms, yes, you might not get the pure stickiness that going on. TikTok does and you're like, holy, how did I just spend 30 minutes watching videos, but it's a more intentional, a more interesting, a more healthy experience. And like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we're the Brussels sprouts of media, but, it's just, you know, I like
0: Brussels sprouts,
1: I do too. They are making a comeback, but I'm just, I guess, historically. And, and so what I would say is that, you know, you, you should really take care into the content that you're, that you're consuming. And if you were to be the best version of yourself, how would you go about that? I think that we provide a tool that allows individuals to just get more interesting, more random, more unique, more niche, more erudite type content that, that they would get elsewhere.
0: That is fascinating. I love, I love what you're saying about the content diet. I, I like that as, as a concept, right? Because we know that, you know, even, even if you're not super serious into nutrition, although I was for a time, cause I was a bodybuilder some years ago and looking at, okay, if we equate, you know, the, the prank videos as like Skittles and we've got I don't know. American Horror Story is ice cream. If you like that type of ice cream, it's mint chocolate chip ice cream. My husband likes that type. I don't like it. But if you were to equate different types of content with different, like let's say food groups, even right, then you've got you know the stuff that can make you laugh, but maybe the stuff that is stimulating in other ways, like intellectually stimulating, like when you listen to you know recordings of Maya Angelou speak or uh, Les Brown or or someone like that, where you listen to them speak and you feel as if your mind is changing. If you spent more time consuming that type of content, how would your mind be different? And then therefore, how would your life be different?
1: Right. I mean, so when you look at something like YouTube, right, how are they choosing the content? And how are they trying? What is their goal? And it's It's session time, right? And so they want you to stay on their platform for as long as possible. Facebook wants to provoke a reaction from you. So there's these you know, variables that have nothing to do with the actual content experience that are driving the content experience because that's what help, That's what is helpful for their business model. Ours is all about the best content experience possible. So I think that you're right in that there is a place on Bookshelf for the memes and the funny and the inspiring and the historical and even the news. Like we tell, we tell people focus on evergreen, but sometimes people want to provide a, a shelf just on what's happening in a very specific space. And that's cool. But to have all of that in one space and allow individuals to build out their library, their universe of information from which that's going to be drawn. And then, you know, we've been building this for like two years. What is the best way to actually consume curated content? Because so much of it is evergreen, we've built processes into the platform where you're now seeing content that was posted like six months ago, a year ago by people. That's still very relevant and interesting. And It'll tell you when it was originally posted. So you have the full context, mm-hmm. but it's just not focusing so much on what's happening right now that tends to diminish our attention spans to that of goldfish.
0: Yeah, the goldfish. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that that is, I think uh, you brought up another interesting point. And this is something I think I've, you know, I've seen within the context of Bookshelf and its creation as well, is that really is the big difference is that other platforms, your content is served up via an algorithm. An algorithm, as you said, that cares about certain variables that aren't necessarily related to the content experience. Whereas Bookshelf, the content is created by people. There are elements of automation there, right? Automating things like delivery. So you know, like, hey, I've already I'm already following this person, so I'm go- I'm going to see the things that they post. But I, I chose to follow them, and that the platform is not choosing, picking, and choosing right. the types of things that I would see.
1: Right. You're you're choosing the information you are choosing the sources of the information that is put in front of you which gives you just more control and allows you to develop as you want to instead of what's going to make you buy the most stuff
0: absolutely and i would say especially with the the conversations that tend to happen right very reactionary types of things especially when we're looking at the news of the day you know yes i to an extent i have control over what i see in my facebook feed or or wherever but i never know <laughs> with the scroll of a finger exactly what's going to be shared and the source that it'll be shared from because people do tend to be pretty reactionary but if i follow groups of or you know certain people on on bookshelf and they are intentionally curating which means that they understand okay i'm going to carefully choose the content that i would share i have Probably I would say not n- nothing's guaranteed, but a, a better chance of experiencing the content in a way that is not going to completely derail me, right? As if I were on
1: Facebook. It's like you see the number of people that haven't even opened the article who are retweeting it. It's like 60% or it's crazy. And with bookshelf, like you don't have experiences where it's not quite shelf worthy and you're like in the process of adding it, and you're like, you know what? I'm just not feeling this one. So you really are only putting up the stuff that you're really validating to your audience and signaling, I have read this, I've watched this, I've listened to this, and it's great. And it's also, you know, each post is provided with context why you posted it. And so it's really, really helpful to understand because there's a lot of nuance to content. It's not just the content, it's how it relates to what's happening. And so by providing that ability to provide context, it's a greater value than just the content itself.
0: Absolutely. I've, I've said that to clients is, you know, we're, we're definitely way past the time where you can just share articles. I mean, I guess, unless you're on Twitter, but if you're on LinkedIn and you just share an article without any type of professional context, the only thing you did potentially was send traffic to that person. But if you are sharing it and I trust your opinion, what I actually want to know, let's say it's new tech or something. Yeah, I'm interested in that tech. But what I'd love to know is what you think of it, because I already know that you know more than me right? And so I would love to hear what you think about it. So when I go read it, I can kind of view it and feel a bit more like an expert myself, because you're probably going to read and see something that I did not. So as you you look at bookshelf and and things are growing and things are moving forward, what is the type of impact, right? Let's say we're looking, let's say we're looking, technology moves really fast. So I'll say five years. I was going to say 10, but Who even knows? Um, But let's say you know we're looking back from you know five years from now. What's the type of impact that you would want to, or that you would hope at least to have, if Bookshelf was a part of combating some of the problems that we've talked about today?
1: So that would be great. I, I would love to see people understand more about the importance of the content that they're consuming and why it's bad to just mindlessly scroll through something and not gain anything from it. And partly that's that's everyone's fault for not as a society for devaluing individual thought. And I would love to bring that back a little bit more. And then just providing some balance. So it's not just one platform that people are mainly relying on. They can have different options and get different experiences. And so it's not just one you know, menu of content in front of them. It's very many that they can choose from and they get the benefit of that balance. I think that's just so key to challenge people. Like you learn best when you are exposed to things that you have never experienced before. And an algorithm by definition is purely reflective, like it's only based on what you have done previously. And so to take that away and to focus on the the random and the niche and the unique and what I think is awesome, which you might not have ever thought to look at, there's just value there. And we want to explore that. We want to allow people to benefit from it.
0: I I love that. I love that so much. And so I already have an account. So if you are listening to this, I would definitely recommend you go create one. It was super easy. And I'm looking forward to to following and, and learning from the amazing, you know, professionals that are already there on the platform. But it's one of those things right now, you have an opportunity to to check it out and be a part of I don't know if anybody else heard this, but I heard all of the energy there in your voice, Mike, and that is energy that I definitely want to align myself with. So I'm really looking forward to to getting over there spending some time, you know, not not just curating, Myself, but but actually consuming. I'm a reader. I, I love to, you know, we all love to consume content, but I have been a lot more intentional about the things that I am consuming. And you said accidentally spent 30 minutes on TikTok. That's not the story of my life, but I won't tell you exactly how long I how many times that's happened to me.
1: I actually I don't have TikTok, actually, although there's so many videos around the internet that are from TikTok. I mean, they've done just an incredible job at predictive algorithms of just like entertaining stuff which is which is good but that's like you know the soda if you will of content everyone likes it but you shouldn't only drink that like if you're drinking six diet cokes a day then you're probably doing something wrong
0: that's true i, I actually do create content on tiktok and believe it or not i i, I consider it edutainment because yeah. I typically tie it to entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, things like that. But absolutely, the vast majority of the content would, I would say, definitely be soda content. I like to start conversations. That's why I think I'm going to have a good time on bookshelf myself. Because I am all about discussion. And I'm not necessarily about agreement. But I I love if my mind can be changed, if my, and not even like complete 180 changed, but sometimes it's just like you were going this way and then somebody says something and now you just alter course just a little bit. And now you're going in a different direction. I look forward to those types of things because I, you know, with an understanding of how the brain works, I understand what it can take to kind of step outside of your own perspective and admit like, Hey, I I was a bit wrong. I was a lot wrong. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of exploring, you know, how bookshelf is able to to kind of help me do that.
1: Yeah. And like engage with the community. You know, there's a lot of great comment discussions awesome. that we've been seeing around specific posts and certain types of content. And that's always great to see. Uh, that's bookshelf without the E B O O K S H L F dot com or in the App Store. It's iOS, it's web. Check out some of the curators. Like it's really amazing. We have, you know, the CEO of Girls Who Code, we have NASA engineers, really, really interesting people that are curating content yes. on this platform. I should note that we did just launch Monetization, which allows curators to uh, receive tips from their audience. And I know a lot of other platforms have introduced tips recently. We were one of the first, if not the first. And the reason to do this is because when you look at platforms like Facebook, like Instagram, like Twitter, like creators really aren't making any money and they're providing the vast majority of the content that's on that platform. And so it was really important for us to allow creators, and this is just the beginning, to actually be able to receive passive income based on just providing value because we have like medium top writers and entrepreneurship that are curating content on it that you would probably appreciate instead of you having to go out and search the internet yourself to find all this stuff they've already done all of the work when you look at something like tipping it's i like your vibe i like what you've done i like what you represent here's a dollar two dollars ten dollars just because i want to vote with my wallet Mm -hmm. As opposed to subscription, which is I'm gonna pay you for the future work that you do because I think that you've done it in the past. And so tipping was just the easy jumping off point. But there's obviously a lot of other curator monetization models that we're planning and having the roadmap to just experiment in this new curator economy.
0: I love it. And yes, Mike, Mike spelled it out for you. It's bookshelf without the E, but we'll have definitely have those links there in. Uh, the show notes for this episode. And so right now, I just want to take the time to say, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was absolutely fantastic to hear, you know, not just about you having this idea, but actually bringing it, you know, with your partners out into the world and the change that you're looking to, the change that you're looking to see and what you're doing by leading the way. So just again, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: All right. So if you enjoyed that episode, which I know you did because you are still here, be sure to go ahead and share it, subscribe. But most importantly, do go ahead and check out Bookshelf. Click that link in the show notes and and just create an account for yourself and see what it's all about. Anybody who listens to the Defiant Business podcast is very much looking for a better content experience, which is why you're here. So I would love to see you over there. So thank you again so much. And I will see you next time thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it please share it with others and post about it on social media to link up with other defiant businesses join my facebook group the defiant business group the link is in the episode description thank you so much and i will see you next time